Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dan Shepard, and I'm joined by... Duchess of Duluth? The Duchess of Duluth, Monica Lily Padman. Hello. Oh, I wish I had my little clapper for that. We are joined today by an old friend and a new friend, Tony Hawk and Sam Jones. Tony Hawk is a professional skateboarder and entrepreneur. He's a quadrillion time X Games winner, of course. And Sam Jones is my very favorite photographer on planet Earth. And he's also a phenomenal director. And he had a great, great interview show called Off Camera with Sam Jones. He has paired up with Tony to make an incredible documentary. I love it so, so much. Monica, did you think you liked basketball when we watched Last Dance? It was fine. You didn't care, right? Yeah. And then how much did you enjoy? Number one? Oh, my God, the most. I had a tantrum over it. Okay. Similarly, I'm going to say, you don't have to be into skateboarding. This is such an incredible exploration of someone who dedicated himself to something. He is the Tom Brady and the Michael Jordan of skateboarding. The name of the documentary, which is phenomenal, Until the Wheels Fall Off. It premieres April 5th on HBO. Until the wheels fall off, you will absolutely love it. I encourage everyone to watch it. Please enjoy Tony Hawk and Sam Jones. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy? So easy. The best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy? So easy. The best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. He's an Whatever you like, Tony. You know I wear them because I will yell. Also, we all sound so much smarter. Try it. We sound smarter in our own heads. I feel like I'm just criticizing my own voice now. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite an experience for one to realize what their voice is. But I got to say, mine now in my head sounds like what I hear it like. Yeah. Does only, yours as well? That only took me 30 years. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard my own voice when my buddy Steve got a tape recorder and I was like, oh no. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty alarming the first time you hear your voice. It is, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a whole like identity shatter because you're thinking like, oh, I know exactly how this shit sounds. And then you hear it and you're like, no, I sound eight. 
Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> and it sounds like my dad. And I sound nasally. And, <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. I would say your voice is quite nice, though. Well, I appreciate that. I did find when I first started my thing. Off camera with Sam Jones, best interview show perhaps to ever be on television. Very nice of you. Your show is the only show I've ever been on that felt like an intimate podcast where you forget you're being interviewed. You have time to explore your thoughts. You can be the real three-dimensional human you are. And I think it's just very unique. It was the OG podcast for sure. He was episode five. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> Tony now is speaking. Uh, this is the only way it gets confusing, right? So just side note, we had another Monica as a guest. Oh, yeah. So I had to use all of her nicknames. Oh, right. And I was running out of them by the end. Should I do an accent? If you could do like an Hello, Irish bro. Hello. <laughs> and that was kind of one of the cornerstones of our burgeoning friendship is like we would trade Sam episodes that we loved. Also because it was so pretty. It was black yeah, and was white and it was lovely. I guess I want to start with, first of all, the fucking movie is fantastic. I watched it last night. Through Hell and High Water, Robbie Wobb, thank you so much. He came over and figured out this overly complex system. Yeah, HBO does not want their movie stolen. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. And I've aired the grievance in the past here. Just the logon for HBO Max always kicks me off. I always got to go to a fucking website. My favorite platform, yet the hardest for me to access. But the movie is so fantastic. My whole childhood was my brother getting his hands on Animal Chin and me being 11 and him 16 and us watching it 600 times. <laughs> so for me, like just the notion that you're here, it's really, really fun. Oh, thank Thank you. All of our photography over the last four years is Sam, in his great generosity and benevolence, has let us use all that stuff for free. And so I just want to thank you. As I've said on here before, you're the only person I can tolerate having a photo session with. I think you had one good hair day. <laughs> <laughs> I happened to be there. We took some pictures and you've been using them ever since. This is the list of folks you shot. Barack Obama, Sandra Bullock, George Clooney, Bob Dylan, Kristen Stewart, Robert Downey Jr., Amy Adams, Jack Nicholson. So how do you guys know each other? Well, I met Sam because I got invited to do a show. I did know of the show. I, sorry, I didn't watch every episode, but I knew of it because of the caliber of guests he had. It was insane. And I was like, what, me? Like, and, and it was at a time when like skating had gone through this big boom in the 2000s, and then it sort of tapered off like mid-2000s, and I was just kind of floating, like doing my thing. But No one watching. But yeah, kind of. And he hit me up, and I was like, Cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. And then I went and then he starts asking me questions that are very specific about <laughs> skate history where it's like, how do you know about Whittier Skate City? Right. And Neil Blender and specific tricks. I mean, he said he skated. I knew that. But it was way deeper than that. Like within the first 10 minutes, we're like, oh, he really was a hardcore skater in the 80s. How about is? <laughs> is. Yeah. Sorry. Was a hardcore skater can skate currently. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we got to know each other then. And then a couple years later, he hit me up and said, I'm thinking about doing this project, possibly a documentary, one about you two and one about you. So that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Again, how did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> I have a different origin story. Oh, great. I feel like I've known Tony most of my and his life because I used to be at the park when he was skating. Del Mar? At Del Mar. He slept in the parking lot of Del Mar. Where are you from originally? I'm from Fullerton. So I would take the train to Del Mar or my buddy Chris Shively and I, my other buddy Todd Hill, those were my two friends with cars. On a late Friday night after school, we would drive down to Del Mar and then sleep in the parking lot so we could skate right when it opened. And so I saw him at the park. Are you guys the same ages? Two years older than Tony. And weirdly, oh, I was still totally intimidated. Yeah. Well, I just got to say, like seeing the footage in the documentary, 
It's one of those things where I don't know if either of you have ran into like a teacher from junior high that you thought was six foot five, and then you run into him and you're like, oh, I'm taller. This is earth shattering worldview. So watching you in this footage, I'm seven years younger than you. So you were like an old dude to me. But now I watch him. Tony was a fucking child. He looks like Lincoln out there. Wow. <laughs> Not only is he a child, but he's a small child for your age, too. How old when you started, I guess? Well, I started when I was 10, but when I first went to high school, a lot of the time people thought I was just a younger brother visiting school. Or Doogie Hauser, maybe. It was more like, oh, who's the little kid? I'm just like, oh, he's in ninth grade. I'm going to draw this really weird parallel, and I'm not sure if you're going to like it or love it, but you remind me so much of our idol, Bill Gates. Did you watch Inside Bill's Mind, that documentary? No. You must watch it. You two as children are nearly identical, both physically and your temperament and your stubbornness in this wonderful relationship that you had with your mother that he also had with his mother. Because Tony's thing, if I can condense it into something, his master gift is he's with all these kids that are much older than him. They're much stronger than him. Sam. Well, of course, <laughs> Sam being one of the men. Not much older. But much stronger <laughs> And no physical advantage or natural ability per se. He didn't have the strength to do a lot of the tricks, so he had to invent ways to do it. So his insane singular focus and determination that created this person in front of us. Like it's a really kind of life-affirming journey to watch. The obsession to not leave, to just stay there doing the same fucking thing over and over again. That's a very Bill Gatesy thing. I've only heard the Bill Gates analogy just in terms of me getting older and how he looks. So We love Bill Gates. He's the cutest. He's the very cutest. <laughs> <laughs> we just saw him in person and he was cute. Even cuter in yeah. person. Like the uniqueness of the obsessive mind, that's a really rare level of commitment. Well, you know, it's funny when I had Tony on my show all those years ago, one of my main questions was what made you keep getting up? Because that was the thing that stopped me from improving in skating. I probably had similar ability, but I hated slamming and getting hurt. Like, if I took two bad slams on a trick, I'd be like, yeah, that trick's not going to be in my repertoire. And I think a lot of pros were that way, even to a certain extent. They're honest about it in your film. Even with the McTwist, some guys were just like, I'm not going to commit to it. And the part in the film that I think really says something about Tony is that he says he'd be at school and he'd just be obsessing over the trick and he couldn't wait to get there to try it. And it was a trick that when you didn't land it, you were probably going to get hurt. Well, back then you were primarily skating in bowls. Only. Yeah, cement pools, right? So if you're three feet above the coping or whatever you would be, and the pool's nine feet deep. Do you wear pads of some yeah, sort? Pads. Yeah, they don't always save you, but yeah. There is a way, obviously, to fall. What I do, especially skating ramps and stuff, like there is a safe way to get out of certain tricks. But when it's sort of more of a somersault thing, there is a moment where you have to commit to it and a lot can go wrong after you commit to it that years of training of falling can't prepare you for. And it's usually just falling forward and just sort of taking like a tackle into the flat bottom. And concrete is unforgiving. Yeah, Whew. yeah. It's pretty rough. Monica, you'd be underwhelmed with the safety equipment. The helmets, I was even watching it now as a 47-year-old thinking like, there's got to be a fucking better helmet than the helmet. Everyone's wearing. Well, the helmets in the early days were terrible. Really, it was just because it was mandatory. So you go to a park and it was just like, well, whatever, I got this bucket on my head, it's a helmet. And they'd be like, okay, go ahead, you can go skate. And they just offered no protection, which I found out the hard way with my first concussion, but I was wearing a different helmet than I wear now. The helmet I wear now is so much more form-fitting and safe. And can absorb a lot of that energy. I mean, it's definitely saved my life. 
a few times, but it's hard to watch because there are a couple times, like especially the one slam where it just goes exploding off my head. Ah. <laughs> where it's just like, fuck, like why was I wearing that? That was the 99X games when you first landed a 900, at least in public. It was the first one ever. I think you're going to have to get a little technical about what some of the things mean because I don't know what that means. You can imagine that he would go up on a ramp, go in the air and spin 360. He'd land backwards, right? So if he spins an another 180, then he's spinning 540. So it's a one and a half. And then he did a nine hundred which is two and a half. Oh my god. I'm jumping to this, but fuck it. He practiced <laughs> this trick for twelve years. Wow. He crashed daily. Off and on. I would start going for it and it then was his white whale. Break my rib and then be like, oh, I'm gonna not do that. It's the most grueling thing you'll ever watch because the X Games was structured. I don't even understand the structure, but he could just go as many times as he wanted. I went beyond the time limit. That was the amazing thing about that particular thing is it was the best trick contest. I mean, there's a time limit to it, but the crowd was so into it and they all wanted him to make it. So people just sort of threw whatever loose rules there were out the window. Everyone was just like, let's see Tony either get carted off to the hospital or he's going to make this thing an Everybody in that crowd was invested. ESPN stayed with it. And it turned into this moment on television that you'd never seen before because the sport had different parameters than what we're normally used to seeing. Tony, how many did you try before you landed it? Do you know the number? That night? Yeah. I think it's somewhere around 12 or 15. But honestly, that's a small number compared to when I would usually go after it. But Monica, so he's done 12 at this point. And the look on his face, he keeps getting so close. And when he gets up, he just full. Like he could run through a brick wall. The last time, his fucking chin strap on his helmet is sagging down by like four <laughs> inches. Oh, God. <laughs> so distracted by that. I'm like, guys, let's cinch up that chin strap. <laughs> but of course, in your mind, nothing is existing at that point, right? You're not conscious of the helmet or the this or the that. No, I wouldn't consider that at all. And in those moments, I finally had a consistency with my spin and my attempts that I wasn't just going to come crashing down on my head because I finally had this sort of sense of time and space and my body positioning where I could finally find the landing. And that's what was stopping me all those years is I never found the landing consistently. I'd find it once and then I'd try five more times and not get it. And by then my rhythm's out. So that night I finally figured out where the landing is and I just got to adjust for that each time. And so each time you can see me like I'm leaning a little bit more forward or I'm leaning a little bit more to the side. And then finally it all came together. So when I say I would get carted off in an ambulance, it was more like from exhaustion. How are you addressing your continued fatigue? I really don't remember being tired because now I have a better perspective from all of that. Nowadays, I can feel my legs starting to actually get wobbly. That night, that was not going to deter me at all. You would expect someone to try something, try something, try something, then get it, then be elated and be celebrating. Once he has the challenge in his mind, he's actually fucking miserable, 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 miserable. And then completing it just gets them back to homeostasis. Do you think that's a good description of what it's so, like? Yeah. I don't think it's unique to me. I think that that is very much a trait of skateboarders, and especially skateboarders at a high level, is that they have some goal in mind. Nothing's going to stop them from reaching that goal. But once they reach the goal, it's more just contentment than celebration. Right. And sometimes if it takes so long, it's just frustration. Definitely had that too, where something took so long, it's like, okay, there, there it is. Finally, that's it. It's not like, yay, I did it. It's yeah. just like, fuck that trick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think that was one of the things that I was most interested in understanding for myself and portraying. And I would go a step further and say, that is a trait of extremely determined people where they see an outcome 
and they are not going to let it go until they get there. Yeah, they witness the thing they imagined in their head. You know, with Tony, I think that determination was standing between him and maybe having some peace in his head for 24 hours. Right, that's the difference, I think, is like, you can't be at peace until it's done. Oh, no, I mean, should talk to my wife about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> there have been tricks, especially in the recent years, that took me days, and I go there to document it. So we're shooting video. I'm trying it for hours, and I come home defeated. I go back the next day, same thing. It wears on me and it wears on my home life as well because she's just like, oh my God, just go. Yeah, live at the park until you get it. Yeah, and I want to say Tony's 53 and he's skating a bigger ramp with more vert than he has for his whole life. And the tricks he's trying and making are still at this level that's insane. And that to me is fascinating. He's pushed the expectation of what we can do athletically with our bodies in our 50s to a level that I don't think anyone has ever reached. Well, this is what I was going to ask you. Do you understand why people are fascinated or interested in you? A lot of it is based on my success in my 30s, which was video games. If I were to just walk out on the street and someone said, you know, hey, it's Tony, it would be like, dude, THPS or, you know, American Wasteland, Underground. That's usually the first go-to. And I understand it. I think at this point, it's more of a, like a curiosity, like you're still doing that? Okay, so I don't think it's either of those things. We want to figure out what the ingredients are for a Michael Jordan, for a Tom Brady. Although your sport wasn't the one America embraced ubiquitously, everyone recognizes that you're Tom Brady, you're Michael Jordan, you're the pinnacle of what a sport could be. And what I love about your story is like, we can't write it off to your LeBron James and in high school you were six foot nine and 250 pounds of muscle. No disrespect to him, he's a king too. But it's beyond that. For me, I put you in the Tom Brady category. That guy showed up for the combine and you're like, really, this doughy dude, they're gonna let him play? Well, I think that Sam tells that story very eloquently and very honestly, because a lot of people thought I just had all these advantages growing up with competition and with sponsorships and stuff. And when you see it in terms of what I had to deal with, it's very much like, oh, he was just getting shit on the whole way through. And that was never going to deter me either. It was discouraging, but it made me dig deep and probably dig so deep that that's where I keep coming from. But if you're talking about also what I'm doing now, and I appreciate the accolades and the praise, but the way that I've sort of transformed what I do now, I've redirected my style so that it's not so high impact. It's not so high risk. It may still look fantastical and may look crazy in my age, but it's stuff that I feel very confident about. I call them coping dances. I do these little tricks now where they're super technical and complicated and difficult, but they're not gonna move the needle with big spins and big airs and X Games highlights. They're more like for skaters. Yeah, again, this is fun to tell Monica because she wasn't a skateboarder. So Tony, he's really young. He starts skating. He's pretty brilliant. He gets invited to join this crew called the Bones Brigade that Stacy Peralta owns, and that's Paul Peralta Skateboards. It's probably the most successful skate company ever, I would imagine, or at least back then it was. Definitely in that era, yeah. This was the crew. And then what also happened is that he was picked kind of over Christian Hasoy. And Christian Hasoy had everything that attracted me to skateboarding. Skateboarding in general, or at least where I grew up in Michigan, it's what the punk rock kids were into. It's what the misfits were into. But you look like you could be on Little House on the Prairie. You look nice. <laughs> yeah. And here's Hosoy, who's built and fucking long, dark hair, and he's got style coming out of his ass. Like, the punk rockers and the skaters were like, yes, that's who I want to be, image-wise. 
So Tony first was going up against that. So every time he would go to a contest as a young kid, he would win because he's fantastic. Or he'd beat Hasoy, but people loved Hasoy. So they were mad at you? They would boo him. They would throw shit at him. I mean, it was fucking cruel. At my home park. At that time, were you aware, like, it's a packaging thing. It's a branding thing. This kid represents this renegade misfit or no? Am I off base on that? No, it was just hard because... Our world seems so small, right? Skateboarding, the biggest competition had a few hundred people watching. And then I'm an outcast in this outcast society because my style is lame or robotic and it's not beautiful and flowing like Christian. But the hardest part was Christian and I were peers. We did skate together. We hung out. I would imagine you have a lot of gratitude for having been competing against him. Oh, for sure. I wanted my McTwist to look like his. Yeah. I wanted my airs tweaking to be like his silhouette because he was the master of style. But at the same time, he respected that I had all these crazy tricks. And then it just became those two camps. That was it. You had to decide between one of us. Yeah. And it does seem, at least from the movie, that when Tony would beat him, Hosoi would be the only person there proud of him. <laughs> Seemingly. Yeah, there's a moment when Tony wins and Christian congratulates him on camera. And, you know, I was an amateur skater, so I was at these contests. I'm in the movie. Uh, he and is, you are? He's in the background of one of the Upland contests. <laughs> I wish you would have paused it and put a big yeah. old circle around yeah. your face. But as an amateur, the board that you went into a skate shop and bought, that was like your identity. I had a Sims flagship, which was the ultimate in my town. Right. And I think Tony suffered from that. Although, let's be clear, his board model sold the most out of everybody because oh, yeah, yeah. it was hugely popular. But among the quote unquote cool kids and the factions of serious skaters, that was your whole identity. Like who you identified with as a skater. And Hasoy sold a lot of boards. And even the board itself was probably non functional with style forward. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I copied his shape a little bit. <laughs> he had that hammerhead. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe if I just kind of smooth out it, make it look like a nose, but still have those indents, yeah. I'm onto something. But there's no function to that, right? The hammerhead? It was supposed to be for grabbing. Oh, okay. Exactly where Christian grabs his board. It was iconic too. Oh, big time. I Stood was the out. first one to have a longer nose. And so I just sort of elongated the hammerhead. At some point, people were just like, Tony's crazy. That board <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It works for me. <laughs> so he had a soy who everyone kind of loved because he kind of represented that punk rock spirit, I guess, for lack of a better word. And then Tony's father, Frank, God bless Frank, but you could tell he has spent his life in the military. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah, yes. So supportive as a father. He's like, there's no rhyme or reason to any of these events. There's no like criteria, there's no organization. And this is how I'm gonna support my son. I'm gonna start organizing these events. And so now on top of the Hasoy thing, people are now acting like he didn't win the contest. That somehow his father- It was like nepotism or something? That it was nepotism, oh, that somehow the judges were afraid of Frank, which I'm sure they were, but they certainly, if anything, <laughs> that would have made them sandbag you. All these other skaters that they interviewed that were around in those times, they're like, he loved yelling at us. The other thing, they describe you as a kid as a, a little asshole, which I like. Oh yeah, for sure. I was very hyper. That was the term we used back then. And I was just always trying to prove myself and seek attention in that way. And it got to be where it's just like the gnat buzzing around at all the events. Like, dad, doing this and this. And it's just like, dude, calm down. Yeah, so it got so daunting for him that 
after winning an unprecedented number of tournaments in a row, he'd be skating with what he thought were his friends and peers, and they would be like, well, I guess I'm just trying to get second place. And you just started becoming more and more isolated within this world that's supposed to bring in all the stragglers, which is like heartbreaking. There's no better group to join other than like the stoner group when I was a kid. All you got to do is smoke grass, and you've got 20 friends in my high school. Or buy a fucking skateboard, and you're going to have 20 friends. You don't even have to be good. You just got to sit in the parking lot with us and watch us do shit. You became a popular kid. Yeah. Yes, I think you represented in some way like, wait, is this guy like a jock? It's not fair to a fucking 14-year-old. But anyways, what I want to say is he quit. He's like, I'm not going to do contests anymore. And you reached out to, what's his name? Oh, Roddy Mullen. Who had had a similar experience. His was even more isolating and ridiculous because Rodney did a different style of skating. He did what we call freestyle, which is just flat ground skating. And he was light years ahead of everyone. So far beyond everyone that we, even as hardcore skaters, couldn't really comprehend how he was doing things with his board. It would be like if Tom Brady, every game he played in, the score was 56 to zero his entire career. Well, I would say he's like Sean White in the first Olympic. Yeah. Oh, wait, he's nine standard deviations above everyone else? Yeah, so that was Rodney's experience through all the years of him competing. I was in parallel in the same competitions where it would be bowl and freestyle. But Rodney never faltered. He got one second place in his whole career. Yeah, because he like stepped off his board for a split second. Anyway, he had gone through that so much that it really tainted his enjoyment of it. He just started to despise going to contests. He felt isolated. What does he say? Like, I went to the top of the mountain. There was nothing there for me but lightning. He's quoting Nietzsche, but he had already gone through that and had gotten jaded with it and stepped away from it. And his dad was very hard on him in general. He just put it on his dad. He's like, my dad says I can't skate anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was an easy out for him because everyone knew that his dad was difficult. Stacy was my coach and I went to him with my grievances about feeling isolated. And he's like, you should talk to Rodney because that is why Rodney quit. And I didn't know that. I was like, I thought it was his dad. He's like, no, he just said that. And he told you, like, you've got to figure out why you're doing it, what you want to do. It clearly doesn't sound like it's first places at these things. And then ironically enough, you got infinitely bigger taking that path than you would have probably by just staying in the bowls. Well, it was right when the video revolution came in. So I had the luxury of being able to shoot video with Stacy Peralta, who was considered the best video maker. And so I would just focus on super hard tricks and shoot video of him. And we didn't really know if we were creating something special, but that was my outlet. And then I just started going crazy, learning new tricks and getting them on video. And then the videos ended up being sort of the biggest thing. And I came back to competition with a different attitude that was like, I'm just going to go all or nothing. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't, but I'm going to be okay with that. It's a whole different paradigm. So instead of you putting together a routine and knowing I'm going to have 12 hits in this amount of time, now you're just like singularly focused on what insane trick can I spend all my energy on? And we get it on film. That's enough. And I just got to say, had you guys not made those videos, I don't know that I would have gotten into skateboarding because I can't go see a skate competition in Michigan. They don't exist. There was a skate park. It was in Canada, Sarnia. And we would drive across the fucking bridge to go to Sarnia. That was it. Oh, yeah. It was a revolution. I was the same way. Like, I watched the first Bones Brigade video yeah. every single day my year at college. Is it Caballero going down the um, drainage ditches? You're probably thinking of Tommy Guerrero because yes. he was going down the streets of San Francisco. That's yeah. right. So to see that as a kid and go, what? People do this on a skateboard? This terrain exists on planet Earth? It just was so mind-expanding. Oh, and the lifestyle. You couldn't finish that video without wanting to go out and skate. <laughs> oh, totally. 
you basically had this guy, Stacy Peralta, thank God was a good guy, because he's just kind of traveling the country with a bunch of children. That was an area I explored in the dock, and I was like, what kind of parents just dump their kids off with this guy who's only a few years older than that? Parents in the 70s. <laughs> Where are you and my 13-year-old going? Where's everyone sleeping? Exactly. Wow. Oh my God. Wait, going back to Rodney, it's like the grossest thing about humans is like, we want to see perfection, and it's so exciting, and this person is special, and then you want to see them fall. Oh, yeah, you yeah, want yeah. to see them crash once you see them hit the high. It's so fucked. <laughs> it is, but you know, even as you're saying it, I can understand a little bit the appeal because it's like once someone becomes God status, it's not as impressive. They're no longer human. But they are. I think the thing is like, you want a little reminder that Mike Tyson isn't a robot. That's right. Well, that's what happened to Tony is that once he was so much better than everybody else, then he would get judged against himself. So if he just did the same run that destroyed people in the last contest, he wouldn't get as many points for it. So of course, in textbook sports hero trope, he has to ask his dad to stop interacting with him oh, at these, yeah. which I have to imagine is just like the fucking hardest thing to tell your dad. Or <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I had my brother as a support when I told him that. My dad was not receptive to it. To my dad, it was an insult. It was me not appreciating. And well, how are you going to even get to the contest now? I wasn't old enough to drive yet. But it was so interesting to make this film as a parent because when we found the footage of his dad being interviewed at the contest. And this is post him saying, I don't really want to interact with you yeah. at these. Yeah, and he says, well, when I come to a contest, we're strangers because I have to stay back. Because I used to look at Frank Hawk at that age because he ran Castle, which was my thing, my league. And he was the man. He was the authority figure to hate. But <laughs> as an adult, I can look at that and it breaks my heart because uh, he's sitting there and he loves his son so much he wants to be and he there. he doesn't know how to do it. I actually was impressed with that interview because I know how he's feeling inside. And my dad would have said, well... I'm proud of him. I wish he was a better guy. Like he does, he's, he's turned his <laughs> yeah. back on me. Like he would have aired it, yeah. you know? Oh, it must have broken his heart. You also realize it's his baby and all his other kids are grown up and out of the house. It's hard on both sides. And a different time. Like I think parenting now has evolved so much. Like you'd be forced to look at it as this is what he needs now. Well, I watch it now. It's like, okay, when Lincoln says this to you at some point, like we're in a motocross together, you know, what? God knows what's ahead. I'm going to have to go, I totally get it, hon. Don't even feel guilty. Like, I got to be strong enough to say that. I'm dealing with it now. I have a 14 to 15-year-old, and they both broke up with me the same week. Oh, God. <laughs> they don't want to do anything with me. You got to hit the showers for like four years, and then they'll put you back in the game. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> okay, now, Tony, it needs to be said that 87 through 89, this thing fucking takes off. It explodes to the point where now Tony is on tour going around the world. People in the tens of thousands are coming out to watch because of the Bones Brigade's videos. Like the whole world gets to see him skate. Yes, and so you go to George Harrison's house. How old are you at that point? 19 or 20. Let me back up. He bought a house in high school. So oh, he had his own house wow. in high school. It's as a senior, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's built amazing. This outrageous fucking ramp in the backyard. It's so fantastic. They are the kings of the world. Money's coming in fast and loose, six figures in high school. And then like a fucking light switch, which happens to skateboarding cyclically and regularly and predictably. But you were at the first major crash of it. Yeah, as an adult with two mortgages and a child on the way. You mean the whole skating culture shut down? The business, the culture, the skate parks. It was mostly the skate parks could no longer afford insurance because they were all private facilities. Oh. 
And once they started to close, everything else just fell in line. There's another thing that maybe isn't factored in, which is like when skateboarding's hot for four years, you're looking at the kids above you that did it. You're in junior high. It moves so quick. By the time you get in high school, you can't do the fucking lame thing that the class of 79 did or the class of 86. So the turnover in teen world is innately going to be like an every four-year thing. I also think that skateboarding was still finding its way in the culture, and now it's become more entrenched as this thing. Well, it being in the Olympics helps. And a lot because of Tony. Not only as an athlete to watch, but as someone who's advocated for skate parks, now there's all these permanent places. They were shady businesses back then. Yeah, yeah. And it was someone who was like, hey, I'll put a skate park up. It's in a parking lot, no insurance. And those parks often sucked. The architecture for the Bulls wasn't great, so kids would stop going to them because they weren't that fun and then they all closed now it's an entrenched sport because of your efforts tony i think it is less cyclical and more accepted there's a much stronger foundation for skateboarding now in your story come 89 90 he starts his own company 92 yeah oh 92 and then it just all disappears so he went from touring the world to unemployed how many years your wife's the main earner for at least three years there Where everyone in his life is going, when are you going to quit this? Asking your wife, when's your husband going to quit this? It's over. Like, you had to sell your house. You're fucking flat broke. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I feel like there's someone narrating my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it got hard. Luckily, I had kept the first house that I bought while I was in high school, and I would be renting it. And so I moved back there and just consolidated expenses. That was the saving grace, because otherwise I would have been struggling to pay rent and move back there and just sort of saved. I have some questions now, because he never stops. And in fact, that's clearly your antidepressant during that period, is you're skating now for a different reason. Like now I'm imagining it's the only place on planet Earth you feel in control. Yeah, it was definitely my only stability for mental health and trying to feel good about myself or what my choices were. And it was weird because we were no longer doing it for an audience. Right, right. You know, with the videos we were shooting, we're shooting on high eight. And through that, trying to make ends meet. At one point I was editing videos because I knew how to do that through making skate videos for our team. Like weddings and shit? Like what were your clients? Ironically, I did a video for a handheld video game system. My friend kind of worked there part-time and said, hey, I know you guys are trying to make a video, but my friend Tony will do it for 500 bucks. Right, (laughs) right, right. (laughs) Make your whole video. And I was like, yes. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. Okay, when did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Well, let's just say I'm a weirdo and I want to be messy and see what you're up to, like who you're hanging with. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. I knew you did that. (laughs) No, I did not do that. (laughs) I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends and then use that money any place Apple Pay is accepted. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Monica, please keep it in the chat. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. We are supported by Uber Eats. Spring is here, and now you can get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry, no. But a box fan, happily, yes. A day of sunshine, no. A box of fine wines, yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. 
Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets, product availability may vary by region. See app for details. We are supported by BetterHelp. It feels like a lot has happened this year. It's barely even summer. We went to India for Bye George. We sure did. Lots to process already. Yeah, but even with so much going on, it's important to slow down. Take a minute to reflect on yourself and make adjustments. And if you need a little help with that, I can't recommend therapy enough. We are both in therapy. We are. We proselytize all the time. Talk about it every day. Couldn't function without it. If you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient and flexible. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Plus, you can switch therapists whenever for no additional charge. So take a moment for yourself. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dax today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Dax. It must be a weird thing when your passion becomes commodified. And then for you, it got to become pure again in some ways. Absolutely, it did. And I also learned that I'll do this no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. As long as I can make the time, this is like what makes me the most happy. And this is my absolute creative expression. So I guess through those lean years, it just taught me that, yeah, this is my passion. I don't care. It to me demonstrates that you actually are a real artist in that it's about process for you. There's no outcome. But the things I relate to a ton watching it, not being a great skateboarder is as a writer i loved writing it was a place i could control everything i came to it as a kid then i started making a living doing it it got a little dicier and then i had to quit i quit five years ago and then just this year i'm like oh no i love that thing and now i want to do it with nothing attached to it other than i get to sit by myself for six hours and be in control my curiosity for you is like are you just genetically desire control or was your household so chaotic that you wanted to go there and have some sway over things? Do you know? I found the thing that I really enjoy doing and the thing that I excel at and the thing that suddenly I became somewhat of a master in. And so I was always drawn to it, even though all of the accolades, adulation, finances were falling away. That just wasn't it. I started skating when it was the furthest thing from cool you could do. So clearly I wasn't in it to be rich or famous. (laughs) Yeah, to get gals. Right. I think it's different if you go into something where... The goal is fame and fortune, and then that is pulled away from you, and then you're like, well, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I think Tony has the opposite thing, which is he discovered the thing he truly loves at such a young age <laughs> that the question becomes, how do you keep doing that when all of your other life changes happen? You become an adult, and you become a parent. And, yeah. But it's like, oh, this thing that sustains me, it still sustains me. And that was something when I was initially thinking about the film. A big question is, the thing that made you happy when you were 10, does it still really make you happy when you're 50? It's like, absolutely it does. <laughs> Yeah, it's a huge gift to have found something like that. Okay, so now the X Games comes around, and we're ready for our second huge skateboard phenomena happening. And Tony's in the first one, the second one. He lands the 900 in the third. This becomes like Travis Pastrana's backflip. It's like a moment that every guy in the world is watching over and over again. Yeah. More fame. Now you have your own tour. They're selling out arenas. Now you're making tons of money. The video game comes out. And now... It's back again, like the monster's back again. Some of us have had the luxury of finding out that everything we wanted in junior high, when given to us, we end up liking ourselves less and less and less as we indulge in all these things we fantasized about. 
Look, like I said, I didn't get into it for Fame or Fortune, but once that was sort of thrust upon me, I went through the motions thinking this is what I'm supposed to do. I belong somehow in this world and other famous people should be my friends. And then I just sort of lost myself in that. You start to feel ridiculous after a while. I think what kept me grounded was that I was always skating. Probably through the most chaotic years of my personal life were my best skating years. Well, can I argue they had to be? Because I'm guaranteed you woke up in the morning and be like, I'm a fucking piece of shit. I hate myself. <laughs> yeah, more than once. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. right. But yep. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to be so spectacular. I argue this all the time about addicts. Like I'm friends with a lot of comedians that just can't get it together because no dude who installs mufflers is going to wake up in the morning after a blackout knowing he fucked everything up and then go to Midas and install the perfect muffler and go, ah, I'm not that bad. <laughs> There's not yeah. like this chorus of approval where you go, okay, that can buy me a little self-esteem to go fuck it up again tonight. But if you take away being fantastic at that point, then you're down to nothing. And then you start to get into these bizarre justifications for everything. Like, well, I did this, and so I deserve to go crazy over here. And The horse trading in your head. Yeah, it's so ridiculous in hindsight, but in that moment, it's like, well, of course, I just did Letterman. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I should go out and party. Yeah, please. What you deserve starts to become very <laughs> dicey. <laughs> yes. It's just stuff you tell yourself because you're trying to distract from your uncomfortableness. I just learned it very late in my life. I think that's the thing people say, what would you say if you saw yourself at age 14 or whatever? Like, figure your personal life out. Yeah, make some time for that. Sooner than later, don't let all this chaos unfold, especially in your family life. I'm going to make an excuse for you. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm going to make an explanation for you because it's not an excuse. I think you're really great at owning all your mistakes in the documentary. You really own, you know, having been less than the father you wanted to be, less than the husband you wanted to be. That's so hard to do. But I will just explain for you to leave the arena with the dirt bikes and the pyrotechnics and then to go what? Fucking sit in your hotel room? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And for sure, in that moment, we are raging. Like, we're taking over this town. It's <laughs> on. Yeah. We don't have to perform tomorrow till 6 p.m. Like, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't be excited about it. I wouldn't be proud of it. That wouldn't be the reward. The reward would be that we just entertained 15,000 people with our skill set. Yeah. And they went home and they're stoked. And now I get to go to the Four Seasons. Yes, yeah. yes, and order room service <laughs> and awesome. I can I can yeah. pay for a movie. <laughs> but again, what I think it is is it's like it's really hard to let go of that high. The high on stage, the high as a performer, the high in front sure. of people who you're making their night, it's literally now stopping doing the lines of Coke. It's like your natural inclination is, I like how this feels, how do I extend it? Yes, I agree. But at the same time, at some point you realize how much more fulfilling it is to just be there for your loved ones and to watch that blossom and to watch them grow and to watch them feel validated by you is way more important. And I didn't really have that with my dad. I see it now and I see how paramount it is to being effective as a father, as a husband. My wife was the catalyst for making all this change. Like I was like, I wanna be the person she sees in me. I wanna be the person that she knows I can be and be with her. You wanna land the 900 as a partner. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And I take ownership of having failed marriages and chaos in my relationships and things. That was the catalyst where it was like, why can't you figure it out? Like, look at this. The dream is in front of you. Go sort your shit out. Yeah. You went to some kind of treatment center, it sounds yeah. like. And 
The one thing you seem to have escaped, and maybe you keep secrets better than I do, but you never got into drugs? A lot of the X Games people, there's kind of a pandemic of extreme sports athletes, surfers, skateboarders becoming pretty hardcore addicts, and that seems to have escaped you. I may have gotten an extra prescription here and there for pain pills when I was, you know, if I was really hurt and then I was trying to get through that and it was like, well, maybe I'll do that a little more. But always through my life, I saw how detrimental that was to skating. And I watched my peers one by one fall away. Like their skill set was gone and, you know, they made excuses for it. Oh, I got hurt or I got old. I was like, no, dude, it's because you're getting wasted all the time. But very early on, I recognized that. You know, everyone was smoking weed. And I tried a couple times and it made me paranoid and it made my skating terrible. And some people were skating high and they were doing fine with it, but at some point it caught up to them. Or they got into harder stuff. In the case of Christian, who is very open about his struggles. Yeah. And he got into meth and he really thought he could still skate. And we were there watching him going, dude. I'm happy for you that you just chose the wrong drugs to experiment because I promise <laughs> yeah. you Coke would have worked for you. Like I said, it was just more that the warning signs were all around me with the people who I respected and the people I skated with. I think you were saved by your primary addiction, which is having to be great at skating. Yeah, I hope that won out in the end. <laughs> it feels like it has. Yeah, it did. And I think that that was something with the film that I really wanted to show was that here was someone who never wavered in his commitment to skating. It's something that he has always held sacred and it did save him in a way that it failed a lot of other people because they didn't respect it as much as he did. Like, I think you really respected how hard you worked at it and how much you knew it gave you. And I think when making the film, getting into those areas, they are hard questions to ask. But I think that if you make a film and you don't ask those questions, no one's going to believe his story because the thing that makes him human is that balance that he had to find. And if he didn't go through that, he probably wouldn't have, you know, been able to sustain the thing he's been able to do. Another doc I loved was the Tiger doc. So fucking good tiger woods not the breeding tigers and every time i say that someone points oh, it really? out yeah the that's tiger like the King? fifth time that's happened and i gotta learn to say yes the tiger woods documentary on hbo a home of your documentary what you recognize is that the same exact skill set that helped him become Tiger Woods the golfer is the same skill set that can help him compartmentalize all these other factors in his life. It's a crazy skill set to develop because it's a two-sided sword for sure. Yeah, finding that balance, I've been so impressed. Talking to him, his ability to be honest and transparent and to allow us to make a film that asked these questions and just as much time as he gave us to really explore his life. It's a really brave thing to do, like especially in 2022 to say, okay, you can make a film about my whole life and I'll open mm. it all up to you. I have to imagine you've been approached to do this a bunch of times. A few. They just seem too prepackaged and formulaic. A lot of the pitches to me were like, and then you had the video game series and then all the success and then that's it. Confirming the bullshit lie that exists globally that somehow that stuff will fix you or make you happy as opposed to being with your daughter well also the fact that i stopped competing the outside perspective is well he's retired and i'm like i skate as much as ever what is retirement i don't know but yeah retirement to you is not being in the x games when we first met tony said the story i always get pitched about my own life to me it ends with the 900 the 900 was almost yeah. 20 years ago <laughs> and yet people want to close the story there and i said to him I'm more interested in what's happened since, being a father, dealing with getting older and aging. The 900 for me is you riding your bicycle with your daughter. <laughs> oh, I'm not kidding. Things, yeah. That to me is the touchdown. Like that's yeah. the thing I want to go out on. It's that 
oh my God, you're actually getting to be the human you wanted to be mm. beyond the athlete you wanted to be or the skateboard artist you wanted to be. It's like, oh fuck, this dude's figuring out the real thing. That to me is very rewarding. For sure. My family life and my committed relationship with my wife is far more rewarding than any skate accolades I ever got. And I got a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, but it was all fun. Yes, what I do may be considered risky at my age, but I'm not out there just trying to spin 900s and breaking myself off and getting concussions every single day. I'm just doing it with my friends and having fun. And that is something that you hear Rodney say it in the most complicated. <laughs> this Rodney gentleman is you're like, is this guy a, a Buddhist monk or is oh. he a skateboarder? No, he is on another fucking yeah. plane oh, wow. of existence, clearly. Yeah, but he understands it. Yeah, and yeah. he understands it on a level that really, in a lot of ways, only he and I can perceive. And so I try to put it out more in layman's terms that we're doing it because it's fun. And I don't want to risk death all the time. That's not the goal. It's not about how can I be a daredevil again and evil can evil myself into oblivion. No, I just really like yeah, it. Yeah, it's a disservice to you both to compare you guys to evil can evil. But alas, now I will push back. As someone who's embroiled in the same fucking thing, I was at the track Friday. My shoulder got rebuilt from four pieces twice last year. I'm a dad. I'm not throwing rocks in the glass house. I fucking relate. I'm still doing a lot of things that most people would look at and go, I don't get it. What more do you need? You have money. You have a beautiful family. Why would you do this? But I'm also going to challenge you with something that I do regularly challenge in myself. And I'm praying you've seen this, but did you see the Ronnie Coleman documentary on Netflix? No. I will bring you up to speed. Ronnie Coleman, the most successful bodybuilder of all time. I think he won eight Mr. Olympians. You guys have to watch it. In the movie, we meet him about to have his, I think, ninth spinal cord surgery. And he's walking around with the assistance of these uh, walkers. And he's waking up at 4 a.m. every morning. He's eating six Oxy-30s. And then he's going to the gym. And he is working out hard as fuck pre-spinal cord surgery number 12. And what I kind of took from that is like, oh man, you gotta be a little flexible with your identity. What I could see in him is what I see in myself, which is he can't imagine being alive as a tiny Ronnie Coleman. He'd rather be dead. And your identity can fucking kill you. It can push you to kill yourself because you're too afraid to imagine what your life is as not big Ronnie Coleman. And so I'm always trying to figure out, like, what level is what? Do I need that thing spiritually? Today, I would say I do. I just was there Friday. I think it bought me two weeks of feeling transcendent. And also, how much of it is my identity? So I'm just curious for you, like, can you even begin to imagine a post-skateboarding Tony Hawk? I can imagine a post-public skateboarding Tony Hawk. How's that? If I'm able to stand on my two feet, I'm probably going to ride a skateboard and cruise around and carve and whatever. Maybe I won't be shooting video. Maybe I won't be doing demos, live streaming, whatever it is. But I feel like I'll always want to have that sense of motion and freedom. Yeah. And yeah, I do feel like I've made enough moves as of late to sort of set up investments and things where it's going to be a whole building doesn't rely on my skateboard skills to keep the lights on. And so I'm trying to make some progress in those ways, yeah. for sure. Well, because here's why it would be dishonest for me to not point out that your pelvis was shattered, you've had that rebuilt. You said you've gotten 12 concussions. You've most certainly had 30 or 40 or 50 concussions. Yes. We know about CTE. Again, I'm doing all the same shit. I'm not saying this with any judgment. I'm saying this with total reality. You also have Stacey Peralta saying, 
Uh, Lance and Tony are doing it one way, and McGill and Cab are doing it another way. Maybe he just doesn't understand what you and Mullen understand, or maybe he's right. Sure, but I think that that's the beauty of what Sam created, is that there is that argument, and there is plenty of arguments on both sides. Yeah. I'm on your side. Like, I watch these climbers, and I'm like, fuck, they're going to die, but they're going to die if they don't do it. Stacey has tried to get me to take up other activities. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so that way, he, he really wanted me to start kite surfing with him because he felt like it was safer and it might provide the same adrenaline rush. That doesn't interest me. Like, I want to just yeah. go to the ramp and cruise. And I mean, honestly, a Lena tail slide still feels awesome. That is no risk. You know what I mean? As long as you can still do it at the level he's doing it, you have to do it because it's the coolest feeling in the world. It's like when you play loud rock and roll in a band. Yeah. That's like skating. There's almost no feeling as good as a guitar on 11 or as a backside air. I don't think anyone's arguing with the three of us of how good it feels. Yes. I don't think that's the argument. I have at the very least accepted my mortality in the last few years and decided some of these tricks I've just got to let go. Because I'm still able to do them, I have this luxury of doing them for the last time. And that's been cathartic, but very cool. And not many athletes get to experience that. For instance, will Michael Jordan ever know if that's his last dunk? Right, 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 right. That absolutely has helped me. You can ceremonialize it. Yes. You can eventize it. You can honor it. Have some closure around yeah, it. Yeah, have some yeah. closure. I wanted people to come out of seeing this film and have this very conversation about identity, about did you do enough with your life? Yeah. And what side of the argument do you fall on on this? This is the conversation I wanted to have because as a person my age, as a person your age, Dax and Tony, we're all facing that. Did you guys watch The Alpinist on Netflix? I did, yeah. It's this free solo climber, this kid, he's yeah. insane. He does ice climbs that no one can do. He does ice climbs without a rope. When you learn this kid's story, he was crazy hyperactive. Thank God he had the parents he had. They let him just go climb mountains. They didn't try to put him in a classroom. They did it. He discovered drugs. Well, he was off to the motherfucking races. Well, everyone else was doing a hit acid. He was doing six hits of acid. He wanted to roll for 20 hours. So part of me is like, you could look at his life as having ended prematurely, or you could look at the fact that climbing probably extended his he life died. quite a bit. Yeah, spoiler alert. Spoiler God, alert. Yeah. Oh no. And they all die. This is a horrible well, especially story. Especially in that. Like the people who do the body flying, those people generally die. The climbers generally die. That's the one that's hardest for us to wrap our head around. But I'm arguing that as opposed to seeing that having ended someone's life short, you could also see that it extended their life. Because these people without that thing, that outlet, the only option is drugs and fucking everyone. You have to be really clear about what math you're using. And what you decide to do with your life because that makes your life the most valuable to you. That's where I love that Lance says, I don't think Stacy can tell Tony because you can't tell another person- What they need to be alive, basically. Yes, or that life has one equation of how to live it best. Dude, when I watch you and you fucking hit the deck in the Animal Chin 20-year reunion, whatever it is, yeah, that was a bummer. I'm looking at this guy that I've loved since I was a kid, who was inspirational, who did the impossible, who did magic. And I think, God, I don't want to lose this fucking guy. Like, that's what I'm thinking. But I also have to go, you, without that, 
The other options for you are probably much more destructive. Well, I have different thoughts on that. One is the idea is like, oh, at least you die doing what you love. Like, no, I don't want to die because I hung up on a Narjar. Like, that's not okay. That's not like, yay, I, oh, I just say <laughs> As <live."> you're floating <laughs> off. Yeah, like that's not the silver lining. I got carried away that day for sure. I got caught in the moment. We were doing this animal chin thing. That ramp was smaller than my ramp, which actually makes it more dangerous. The transition's way tighter. The transition's tighter. There's yeah. less landing room. I was trying to recreate stuff that we did in Animal Chin 30 years ago. <laughs> well, by the way, you're time traveling. You're with the guys. Yeah. We all feel 12. Right, but I'm the only one who's still doing McTwist. And now I know why they don't do them anymore. Um, it's weird because that was just a sort of a blip in time when that happened. And the fact that Sam made it such a highlight, it did give me a better sense of the gravity of it. You almost need to see it from the outside, right? Here's the thing about that. Skateboarding does have inherent dangers. And so when you see that scene and everyone's on the deck and they're all kind of freaked out and looking down, that didn't just happen to me. That happens all the time. Yeah. Of people taking a bad slam, everyone kind of, oh no, like it happens on my ramp all the time. Usually people are okay. Well, statistically it happens in more bathtubs in America, for real. But what I'm saying is like, we're not trying to be immune to that or to distract people that that doesn't happen. Yeah. But when you see it in that moment in real time, it's heavy and it's hard to watch, especially when it's you that it happened to. But at the same time, that is part of what we do. Yeah. And that happens to kids that are 20. A dude fell off the back of my ramp the other day. This stuff is gnarly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it possible that why that was impactful for you to see that footage is you might have had a unique perspective to see what the ripple effect of all these people that love yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, two kids are on the deck. My stepkids are there watching in real time. My wife comes running up to me. Like all that, it was way more impactful because from my perspective, when it happened, I was just a little tired and I woke up and people are standing around me and I made a joke and went and sat down. Seeing the fear in those people who love yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. That definitely gives you a better sense of reality. Like would I go back to the animal chin ramp now and recreate some of those lines? No. Yeah, yeah. It brings me immediately back to 16 years ago, dirt biking in Northern Michigan with my brother. I crash, I break all the tenons and my right clavicle. It's up about four inches. I have no insurance. I'm waiting on UCLA to get waitlisted for a free surgery. In the meantime, I go back to Michigan. My buddy goes, you want to go wakeboarding? I go, I can't use this arm. He says, you can do it one-handed. Great. I'm doing it one-handed. I get a massive concussion. I'm on a loop. I don't know what's happened in the last six years. Here's me on the loop. Why can't I remember why I'm in Michigan? Oh, my mom. Because you got hit. You hit your head. And my girlfriend's there, Brie. And I go, oh, so it's like that episode of Gilgan's Island when he gets hit in the head with a coconut and I just have to get hit in the head with a coconut again. I'm just making a joke. I'm trying to make them all feel at ease. They don't laugh. And I'm thinking, that's a pretty good joke. Why didn't they laugh? <laughs> and I go, have I said that joke before? And they go, yeah, about 60 times. Yeah. It's not funny to them. <laughs> They're fucking scared. Like, I've made the same fucking joke 60 times. When my daughter was six, she fell off her scooter. She had a helmet on, hit her head, and went into a loop. And it was the scariest thing as a parent that I've ever experienced. She had a loose tooth, and she was eating a breakfast burrito, and her tooth came out. And it was a funny story, right? And then we go, and then she hits her head, and... About 60 times that day, she would put her tongue on the roof of her mouth and say, Dad, where's my tooth? And I'd explain she lost it with the breakfast burrito, and she'd go, oh, yeah. Ten seconds later, 
dad, where's my tooth? And that had a bigger impact on me than any of my injuries because I've had concussions on motorcycles where I see things double and I've had broken ribs and collarbones, you know, all that stuff. And I think that had an impact on me making this film as well. And I think Tony was the guinea pig for me of I got to ask every question to him about my own fears. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the only time I've ever cried from an injury is like once they told me I'd asked 60 times and I realized, oh, fuck, I finally broke the thing. I can't live in a loop. I can live with amputated limbs if need be, but I can't live in a loop. Anyways, that was a downer, but I have to say, (laughs) (laughs) I have to say again, if I don't have those things, then I don't know that I can stay sober. I don't know that I can be a dad and a husband. So it's a a very tricky equation that I think a lot of us try to navigate. Yeah. And I want to say on record after knowing Tony very well through this process too, is that what he does is so much safer than anyone from an outside perspective would ever understand. I don't want to put Stacy in that category because Stacy understands how to fall and how Tony's ramp works and all that. But after being around him a lot and seeing the calculations that go into him doing something, he's got more experience than anybody ever doing what he's doing. Yeah, you ask him how many 540s he's done at some point. Exactly. Like over 10,000. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it is incredibly safe the way he does it. You know, obviously anything could happen and whatever. But I want to make that distinction for people watching this film that Tony is not going out every morning and risking his life. Well, I think the perspective that Stacy might have that's actually flawed in this case is in his mind, he's thinking, you already did everything, but he's not recognizing you weren't trying to do everything. (laughs) You're trying to skate every day (laughs) because that's what you want to do every day of your life. Yeah. Well, his big thing is legacy. And it's like, what will your legacy be? Will it be that you've couldn't quit and then you took yourself out doing it he first called my wife and talked to her for a couple hours she tried to ease his fears just like you know he is taking calculated risks these days he's not just going crazy and it sucks that you saw that yeah but if you see him go skate his ramp it looks much more relaxed and controlled and safe in a lot of ways yeah but he was shook so he gave up on my wife and then called my brother and and stacy loves tony Uh, stacy is clearly This is all coming from love. It's, it's so family. obvious. Yeah. yeah. And to his credit, he did call me. He's guilty of loving you and hoping you stay alive forever. He was the first figure of authority or of esteem that believed in my skills. When he pulled me to be on the team, I was just like, me? Yeah. yeah. I barely can get out of the bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and you got Steve Cavallaro and Mike McGill, the guy who invented the Ollie, skates for your team. <laughs> right. You want me? Uh-huh. So I have nothing but thanks and praise for Stacy. And he's not a bad filmmaker either. Yeah, uh, he does okay. <laughs> okay, so we're going to end this on a really fun note, which is when I told my wife I was interviewing Tony and Sam tomorrow, and she goes, oh, my God, his fucking tweets. I'm like, what fucking tweets? Oh, yeah. Do you know this, Sam? <laughs> yes. Monica won't know this, and these are great. So Tony has um, hundreds of tweets about people recognizing him but not recognizing him, oh. and he writes them out, and they're so funny, and I'd love to read a couple if that's Let's okay. Let's hear them. It's all true. <laughs> people think that I've created some brand and I make them up. I guarantee you they're all true. This is my life every time we leave. We just told this really long story of us being at a Taco Bell where it's like all three people were so excited yet they didn't know who I was. They knew you were someone. It was madness and we couldn't get the fucking tacos and it was like 12, 13 minutes at 9 a.m. We realized later they were all stoned out of their mind because it was Oregon. But regardless, (laughs) to see these written down makes me so happy. TSA agent checking my ID. Hawk, like that skateboarder, Tony Hawk. Me, exactly. Her, cool. I wonder what he's up to these days. <laughs> me, this. Oh my God. Oh my God. 
God, that, is that happened in Anchorage at Anchorage Airport. TSA agents staring intently. I'm trying to figure out who you look like before checking your ID. Me. Okay. TSA. That cyclist Armstrong. Nearby agent. That ain't Lance Armstrong. Me. He's right. <laughs> TSA. Oh, you look like that skateboarder. Checks ID. Same last name, too. Crazy. <laughs> Me. Crazy. What is happening? Yeah. Oh, my God. Guy at restaurant. You famous? Me. I think that depends on who you ask. Him. Anyone ever tell you that you look like Tom Brady? <laughs> Me. Never. <laughs> <laughs> to clarify, my legal name is Anthony. TSA agent checks my ID, looks at me, looks at ID, looks back at me quizzically, and loudly says, Tony Hawk's my favorite skater. <laughs> me. I'll tell him. <laughs> that one was weird because I think that guy, I think that guy did recognize no. me, and that was just his funny way to say it. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Guy approaches me while standing in line at coffee shop in Cancun. Him. My friend says you are a famous person. Is that you have true? You have a very thick Spanish accent to do this <laughs> one right. I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> if it were a Spaniard, I could, but not okay. a Mexican. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Mexican Cancun. Whew, got scared. Um, okay. Uh, guy in Cancun. Uh, my friend says you are a famous person. Is that true? Me. That depends on your definition of fame. Him. Will you show up on Google if I search your name? <laughs> Me. Yes. Him. Typing into the phone. You are Tony Stark? <laughs> <laughs> That's a reason to stay on Twitter. <laughs> Approaching ticket counter, agent looks up and exclaims, I know you. You're a famous person or a sports guy, skateboarder. And your name is, glances at my ticket, Anthony Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Hawkins. Me, close enough. Her, my son would love a picture with you. Me, is he here? Her, no. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my this God. is my favorite one, and I never know how to fucking deal with this one. Kid at a skate park. Are you Tony Hawk? Me. I am. Him. No, you're not. Me. Okay, I'm not. Him. But are you for real? Me. I am. For real. Him. I thought you'd look younger. Me. Me too. <laughs> this is the one I don't know what to do. It's like, you look like Dak Shepard. And I always go, yeah, I smell like him too. That's like my fun way to get yeah. out of it or make them realize it is me. What? Well, I smell like him too because that's me. No, it's not. I don't go down that rabbit hole. It drives my daughter crazy I because I won't just come out and say it. Yeah. Yes. Because they didn't ask. Yeah. So it's like, anyone ever tell you look like Tony Hawk? Yes. Cool. And then we walk away. My daughter's like, why didn't you tell him? I go, he didn't ask me. I don't want to prove it to him either way. Like, it yeah. means more things. More if you questions prove it to him, coming. Now it's like a whole new round. There's another phase to and it. And then it's like you asked for it. Yes. Yeah. We read in Mammoth, my daughter was skiing. I wrote this tweet, but I can give it more context. You know how they have the little jumps on the like beginner runs? Yeah. So she's waiting and there's this, this group of snowboarders that are teenagers kind of waiting to go. I'm waiting for my daughter because I'm going to film her. I'm going down the side of the run. That's what I do when I go sure. I'm the filmer. And uh, one of the kids goes, man, I'm sorry, I'm staring at me. You look just like Tony Hawk. And I said, I've heard that. And uh, his friend goes, dude, we should take a picture of him and tell people it's him. <laughs> he goes, because remember when I met that dude that looked like so-and-so and I took a photo with him? And people believed it. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then my daughter is kind of waiting and she's like, do you want me to take a photo with you guys? And he looks at her and he's like, now nah, we're good. <laughs> After all that. Oh my God. After all that, they didn't want to go through it with no. the joke. 
1991, I was in El Salvador, and a kid said, are you Mel Gibson? Oh, mm. boom. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. And, and Twitter wasn't around, or else I would have really made a meal out <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, sure. You say yeah. yes. But I do got to say, coming into this, it is all I have to contain myself from throwing idiocracy quotes at you. The first time we ever met was at some kind of premiere, and you came up to me, and I was like, there's no way Tony Hawk knows who I am. And you came up, and you immediately were talking about idiocracy, and I just was like, I think I called my brother, who I skateboarded with my whole life, and I said, you're not going to fucking believe who came up and gave me an idiocracy mm -hmm. compliment. He's like, who? I'm like, Tony Hawk. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I remember where I was That's when I first <laughs> kind of accidentally discovered it as a movie, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And little did we know it become a documentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah know, exactly. Right? <laughs> oy, oy, oy. Um, well, this has been such a blast. Sam, I'm so glad you're here. We thank you for all that you've given to this show in so many ways, and being actually one of the reasons that we wanted to do a show like this, just enjoying being on yours and the long form of it all. Look, I love being on here and the fact that we could wait until I had this film out and we could yeah. talk about it. It makes me very happy. I love the movie so much. It's called Until the Wheels Fall Off. It'll be on HBO Max starting April 5th. This is the first time I got to talk about it, actually. It's so good, you Thank guys. You. And I, I'm sure... Tony, you had thoughts of what you would have preferred to be in there, but Sam has done a beautiful job. Yeah, I mean, that would be a disservice for me to control the narrative. That'd be terrible. Oh, I have a fun idea. I want to do on three. Maybe Monica can count us down. I believe there's a semi-equivalent to you that does not have the recognition that he deserves. Are you talking about a skateboarder? In the world of solo punk I've, rock sports. I've got somebody. Punk rock sports, individual sports, the sports we like that could include snowboarding, BMX, freestyle, surfing, whatever. Do you have someone in your mind? Yeah, I mean- Don't say it. Okay. This is just going to be a fun test. Any two of us pair up, we should be soulmates. Okay, you ready? Monica, okay, I'm going to do three, two, one, and then you go. Three, okay. two, one, say it. Right. Okay, right. ready? Three, two, one. Matthew Matt Hoffman. Carmichael. No one. Did you say Matt Hoffman? Matt Hoffman. You We're two soulmates. are soulmates. Wow. We're soulmates. Matt Hoffman is the Tony Hawk of bicycles, and there's a great 30 for 30 on him. He's the man who made the big air ramp move. Like, he created that whole thing. We all just followed. We were just like, whoa, that's crazy. Matt built a gigantic ramp and did big air. Maybe we could do that. And like you, he just did it for him. Still. Yeah, still. Who did you say? Ricky Carmichael. Get out of here. That's your friend. You can't no, fucking- No, but come on. No, He's talking I, about his Greatest motocross racer of all and time. And recognized as such. Uh, well, but not on a scale like Tony, because he didn't have a video game made about it. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad that I agreed with Tony. You're the odd man out, Sam. Uh, we're going to walk tell off Monica into the sunset. All about yeah, Ricky. I'm going to get yeah. really into Ricky. I, I'm determined to have a soulmate here. <laughs> all right. Adore you guys. Thanks for coming in. Thank and I hope you. everybody sees until the wheels fall off. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Celebrity Cruises. I know what you think. As long as you're on vacation, you're happy. But the truth is, some vacations are better than others. And there's one that's better than all of them. Celebrity Cruises. With rooms, food, and service like theirs, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And you won't have to with all the places Celebrity goes. They even have weekend Caribbean escapes if you're short on time. So visit Celebrity.com, contact your travel advisor, or call 1-800-CELEBRITY and see why nothing comes close to Celebrity Cruises. Ships Registry, Malta, and Ecuador. We are supported by Sleep Number. 
Oh, mattresses can be a pretty big purchase. It's kind of like a home. You and your partner have to shop around for one that you'll both love, that's comfortable and suited to your preferences. Well, I'm about to make your lives a whole lot easier. Instead of hopping around from store to store, just check out Sleep Number Smart Beds. They're designed for you and your partner's ever-evolving sleep needs. When you see it, you'll know it's the one. I mean, this just changed the lives of my bride and I. The fact that we didn't have to compromise on the firmness of the mattress and the fact that it can evolve as we evolve is incredible. Sleep Number is great because it's all about what you need. You can adjust the firmness to your ideal settings on each side, perfect for couples. The smart beds respond and adjust to your movements throughout the night to help you sleep better. My Sleep Number is an 85. Whether you need something with more support or something to help quiet the snores, Sleep Number has you covered. So sleep better together with a Sleep Number smart bed. It's the only bed that lets you make each side firmer or softer whenever you like your Sleep Number setting. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We are supported by Viator. Now, Monica, I'm going to Lisbon. Uh, so exciting. And I'm going to use Viator because, you know, I can book a tuk-tuk tour of the city on Viator. Yeah, I feel like you can look up even other fun things you guys can do together. Yeah, absolutely. That is where you go to find an experience while you're traveling. Because no matter where you're traveling or what you're interested in, Viator can help you plan better travel experiences. With over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, means you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Enjoy real travel reviews to get inside information from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. Plus, Viator offers 24-7 customer service so you know you'll get the support at any hour if things aren't going as planned. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking. Find travel experiences for you and do more with Viator. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good? Yeah. Past people. Uh-oh. Coming. Yeah, what's going on? Anyone in the trap? No one's in any of the traps. Okay. Can we tell people what I thought would be funny? Not funny for you, but for us. If Monica got stuck in a trap. That would be really funny. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> but no, what if Monica woke up in the middle of the night because she heard the trap go off? And then she walked out in the hallway and there was just a possum like gently walking by and it had gotten on his tail and he didn't even care. Yeah, and we just found hanging out, off its tail. We found out there was a possum. We were watching a show last night and it's uh, Cowboys, 1883. I think it's Sam Elliott has a line like, ugly as a skunk. Skunk um, ugly. Oh. And I thought, that's not the mammal I would go to for an ugly analogy if I was going to say something was ugly as. Yeah. And so then my question to you is like, if you had to pick a mammal in the U.S., what would you pick? I'd pick possum. Oh. Possum ugly. Because really? that tail and the sharp, sharp needle teeth. Let Ooh. me look up a picture just so I can see. Yeah, it's really ugly. And the, the tail is like six feet long and pure skin. I hate it. It just looks really mean. Mm -hmm. People are going to hate this, but this oh. is my truth. Should I say? I mean, I don't know. People are going to be mad at me. Is it dogs? No. <laughs> Cats that don't have fur, skin mm. or Skinless fur. cats. Yeah. Those, mm. No, they're just skin. Oh, right. Not skinless. Hairless yeah. cats. Hairless. Yeah. I am... Pretty repulsed by that. They're pretty wild looking. 
I really don't like the <laughs> way. Have you met one? They're really gr- My friend has one, and they're disgusting. <laughs> what I makes mean, them disgusting? I mean, they, other than visually. It's visually, and like when did, you touch did them. Did you touch it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Ew, and is yeah. that for cat lovers who don't want the dander like me if you're allergic? Or do they, the skin still makes the dander, though, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't I, know, we don't know. It, it's gross, though. I think they should call dander on pets pander. Oh, cute. Yeah, they call it pet dander, but I want it to be called pander. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> yeah, so that's my pick, I think. We learned something that the kids are saying. Oh, yeah, hit everyone with it. Okay. But so- you got to kind of subtract the accent. I know. I don't yeah. like that part. No, I'm just going to do the first part, okay? <laughs> okay, okay. So I guess kids these days. Sure, teens. Teens. Yeah. Are going, sheesh. Uh, is it sheesh or just she? I think sheesh. sheesh. Okay. And then you smack two fingers on the top of your forearm, inner forearm, as if, to me, it really is reminiscent of a heroin Heroin. Reference. Yes, that's what, when you guys were first doing it, I got... I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what are they doing with this heroin thing? But turns out it's what the kids are doing. And it means it means ice in your veins. And apparently a basketball player did it. Yeah. Which popularized it. Yeah. It's so great. It's one of the first things that really made me feel like, oh man, we are old. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's I've watched the reaction and I think it's met by parents with first just frustration. Like either A, I guess it's because they're starting their own Famlicon, their own lexicon without them. Famelect. Famelect, thank you. (laughs) And then that's triggering. Two is I'm old. But what they want to do is go like, this is so stupid what they're doing. But it's, it's adorable. And I remember having my first full set of code language with Aaron. And yeah. it, it must have been so annoying to everyone, but I, what a joyous time of my life. It is joyous, but it is stupid. I mean, like, what does that mean? <laughs> Sheesh. Apparently, it started as that ice in the vein. Yeah, that's how it started. TikTok took over, and it means you're about to reveal some sort of inherent truth or reality about yourself. Oh. They're using it celebratory. Sure. I mean, I think it's now just become a TikTok thing. Like there's yeah. like this guy who like put a big hot dog in mustard and you you go to him and he has mustard all over his face and it's it's crazy. And then he oh. says, sheesh. Oh. Um, yeah. So it's it's a whole thing. And there is some other words though too, Yeah, right? it's what was it? sheesh. This, this shit is bussin'. Bussin'. That one's dangerous. On God. On God. Oh, God on God. Respectfully. God on God, respectfully. I like respectfully. Me too. And God on God's cool. I mean, yeah. I don't. We're not huge um, <laughs> parochials, <laughs> but it reminds me of Black on Black. I think, in fact, people just because God on God means like better than anything. Like those shoes God with that God. thing is God on God. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. I on, think. Are they saying on God on God? I think, I think it's just God on God, not on God on God. <laughs> That's on guard. You're thinking of on guard. No. On guard. The way they're saying it, it sounds like they're saying on guard, but in an accent. Oh, but they're no. Not. I think we're interpreting it differently. No, they're just saying on God. Like on guard. <laughs> on guard. On guard. On God is apparently a rap term. And what's it mean? An individual uses this expression. It's meant to demonstrate the supreme truthfulness and seriousness of what they're saying. I think, yeah, yeah it's like, I swear on God. Yeah, not on guard. On guard would be like, oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying 
they're saying on God, on God, and then you said no, that sounds like on guard. It uh, does sound oh, like yeah, on guard. Oh yeah, we got kind of okay. It got mm-hmm. screwy. It did. Apparently, they're shorthand on. Ong. Ong? I don't think we're allowed to say that. Well, okay. Now I'm introducing two more. I get it. I was wrong. Now, God on God is, sounds cool, like uh, gold on gold, uh, sure. gilding the lily, sure. uh, triumphant on <laughs> victory on triumph. So, But I would like to propose and push for people when something's really, really fine, really fresh, really fly, you go, mm, black on black. Like that's that's beyond yeah. That's like so a did you just make it up? Or? Yeah. Oh, okay. But it's from Black on Black from our ads, our Chrysler Pacifica ads. Oh, right, Black, black on, on Black, black on, on Black. <laughs> that's like reserved for Jordan's game-winning last. Best case. Yeah, that's Black on Black on Black. Do you think it's- Although that's confusing because he is black. Exactly. I don't want it to be a racial No, thing. everyone should know it comes from a van. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> on God. Oh, my God. On God. <laughs> <laughs> I think, in fact, yeah. So anyway, so we learned something with about the kids. But and that was actually, cool. like, we learned the words and we're more lost. To be exactly. honest, we learned. Yeah, we have more questions than answers. It opened up so many. Even questions. Rob's descriptions of it made less less sense to me than even the word. I actually just like how I feel when I hear "on God, on God." Yeah. And then I feel like respectfully. Yeah, my shit, yeah respectfully. <laughs> <laughs> what bussin? Bussin's dangerous. Bussin. That, that sounds like. That really sounds like AAVE, African American Vernacular it does. English. It does. It does. And we, it probably goes without saying, there's a lot of white children. We learned all this stuff. Correct. From. And yeah. that felt it felt a little problematic. I don't know. But what do we feel about just like kids loving black hip hop culture? Yeah, I mean, are they a lot like if if their idols are saying bussin' and they say it bussin', is the white kid obligated to go bustin'? Right. Bustin' makes me feel good. That's the original Bustin' from uh, Who You Gonna Call Ghostbusters. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I, because we were, you know, we were having this big debate with all these adults yesterday about it, and you were talking about Bustin', and I was like, well, yeah, busting. And they were like, I don't think so. Like Bustin', like busting kids into a school? I don't know. And then that's also- Rob, <laughs> let's see what Bustin' is. Well, there was this Reddit thing that said, what the fuck is bussin'? Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. I do like that there's articles about what all this means on TikTok. Yeah, it's... <laughs> no it's, one knows. When I see my mouse, yeah. I'm going to say, sheesh. Respectfully. No, Re- mine is a call for help. Oh, okay. Bussin means something is really good. And how do you spell it? B-U-S-S-I-N. Bussin'. But I do think like that hussin. is a form hussin of. Minaj. I do think that is a form of busting. Apparently, it's usually used when talking about food. Ooh, this steak is busting, Minaj. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. That's another thing I'm putting out on the table. Oh my god! To go straight to giving propers to Hussin. Well, sure. So you, whenever, anytime you're gonna say busting, add Minaj. That mm. shit is busting. Ooh, this busting Minaj. <laughs> Did you check out his stand-up? Mm, <laughs> respectfully. Sheesh. Oh, God, that okay. shit was God on God on God. On black on black on black. <laughs> the van. God, I want to go back in time and jump into this. I'm too old is what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just did a great job. Okay, thank you. Oh, you're not going to like this. Oh, great. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's a slow morning already, but here we go. People like Megalith and the drowning 
whatever character you want to play. People like when um, I die. No, they like the um, improv interactions. So oh, just sure. you know, we might have to hit one of those That's later. Fine. Okay. Just think of some fun turmoil you can. You've been in the water a bunch of times, so maybe just think of some other okay. environment you could be dying in. Okay. Okay, and I'll uh -oh. try to remember the voice I do for it because I forget. It's just like your superhero voice. Stand Megalith. Okay. That's great. him. That's him. Sheesh. Megalith <laughs> is God on God. On God on God. Megalith is on God on God. <laughs> Sheesh. This steak is bussin' <laughs> menage. <laughs> we didn't know Megalith was so fucking hip. He's so young. Oh my god. Oh my god. We just found Megalith is he's like a 14. teenager. Yeah, but he's huge. Oh shit. Good for him. Yeah. Respectfully. <laughs> okay. Let's um transition. Okay. Segway. <laughs> yeah. Um Sam and Tony. Yes. I love that pairing of those two. Yeah. It's so cute to find out that Sam was at those skateboarding tournaments. I didn't realize the well ran that deep with him and his love. He was a mega lith fan. Yes, mega mega. I because I knew he was into dirt biking and X Games dudes and all that kind of stuff. I know that was kind of his interest and his hobby. But this whole going to those things and watching Tony skate when he was a little kid. Yeah. Oh my God. How so, fun to be able to grow up and make a documentary about that person. Vision board. Vision board. What did you think of Tony? Oh my gosh. We gotta take some pictures. The coolest update, Tony sent the three of us skateboard decks. Tony Hawk skateboard decks signed by Tony fucking Hawk. So nice. What if you had a basketball signed by Michael Jordan, I, respectfully? Oh, God. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to work it in. I know, but we already we okay. did it a lot. I know. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So nice. Yes. Really cool. We got to show some pickies. Yeah. And where am I going to put it? I got to put it in a like prominent spot. I suggest next to that rubber nut. You got to mount it on the wall. Yeah. When you're going to have like a cooler hang room. Dude, people think you're so cool if they come over and you have a fucking Tony Hawk skate deck on your I know, wall. Because they're I'm not excited. expecting that. They're expecting Mixed cheer, messages. cheer memorabilia, uh, fancy knickknacks and trinkets. Yeah. Maybe an actual piece of real art. Mm. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And then they their eyes wander over and they're like, what's this thing pulling my gaze to the starboard side of the room? Ooh. Is that a Tony Hawk skate deck signed by Tony Hawk? When you sent it to me, it made me really happy. It did. Yeah, because what, what kindness. Yeah, totally. To think to do that later. Yeah. Because he didn't come with it. Mm -mm. And God bless Sam Jones. He ran it over. Oh, he did? Yes. Dude, this was great. This was my first ever. This is um, worth saying. I've, n I've never had a stop-in guest. I don't, I don't know if it's L.A. or it's, I don't know what it is. But like in Michigan, you'd be home and people just come over. It'd surprise you. I like that. I miss it. And I was just making myself my normal ground beef over white rice. And then my gate thing rang. And I thought, oh, what is this? So I didn't order food. And it was Sam Jones. A total stop and didn't even fun. text and give me a heads up. That's fun. Yeah, it was really fun. I used to stop in a lot. Yes, yes, yes. But, but I'm you're not a, a family cool, member. I'm you're not, not like a cool kid. Like oh, a God, cool no. Guy. You're a family member. That's not stopping in, that's coming home, <laughs> respectfully, okay? <laughs> Honestly, with a lot on of respect. God, God. Said, well, no, not you, that sounded clunky. Why? Like you were pushing. I swear on God. Okay. I'm saying it right. Okay, sheesh, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know. 
Uh, I just remembered about my mouse. Oh, geez. Wow. You can't. It's just it's popping ri- in and while out. While it's in there, I can't. It's like it's. It really is consuming 15% of my brain at all times. Oh, my God. I'm so I sorry really to hear that. I really don't like it. Yesterday I night. have mice. Everyone Where? has mice. Everyone has mice. No, they don't. Yes, a lot of, most people have mice. Not where they're, not inside pooping. Look, I don't see the poop because I'm not on my hands and knees going around the floor looking for it, but well, it's there. I am now. It's not there. How about, what if I said this to you? What if that mouse has been there for the last six years? It hasn't. But let's, I'm asking, geez Louise, what if, what if? Well, what if? That's horrible and disgusting. But has your life been at all augmented or changed? Probably. Or, it's probably why I'm suffered? so tired all the time. I have a bacterial disease from this mouse. <laughs> Listen. You could have not discovered the poops, and you'd have no idea, and life would just cruise all along. Okay, that is not true. It is not. They do carry disease, so you should not just let. I'm not. I'm not making an argument that you should encourage mice to move in. What I'm saying is, it's likely you've been living with this mouse for a very long time, and it had no impact on your life because you didn't think about it. That's what I'm saying. Okay, that's your opinion. I know that the mouse, (laughs) I know when it came, and I know that I don't want it to stay. Okay. In the the night, I put my hand on my other pillow, Uh and I freaked out because there was some fur. What? But it was um, a stuffed animal. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Okay. How would the mouse get up into your bed? I'm curious. It, I mean, it, it got on the butcher block. It can get up point. there. That's a good point. Yeah, it's most likely a rat. Although we don't know it was on the butcher block. The tomato could have fallen on the ground, and then he got a little nibble, nibble. Remember, okay. that was my thing, wind, and you laughed. I did laugh about the wind, yeah. How else would it get down? Well, I laughed about it blowing it into the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually even... It's less likely that the wind would pull it from a bowl. Well, let me ask you, were they, um, was it like a rounded ice cream cone? Like, were they above the rim of the bowl? Were they stacked that high? Um, Maybe like maybe half, but not like in a big stack. Okay, okay. Because I was going to say it is conceivable. I don't think wind did it, period. But I do think you could have this nice little pyramid of uh, maters. Yeah. And then as they get older, they shrink and lose moisture. And then just one shrink, just a tiny enough that one avalanche down onto the floor. Mickey Mouse runs in. (laughs) Hey, Minnie! They come over. Oh, no, there's two? (laughs) (laughs) Minnie, not in the house. We're going to get caught. We've been living here for six years and no one knows a thing. Stop. Stop making them cute. (laughs) They're not cute. Is the poop rounded or pointy? Mm, Great. You're about to. Yeah. Is it round or point? Round features or pointy features? I think it. There, it's like kind of pointy. That's good. Oh, That's good. a mouse then, not a really? rat. Yeah. I was scared to know. Come the on. Answer. Well, yeah. some rats I mean, bigger and rounded, and uh, okay, mice so, are smaller. Well, this was pointy. a scary thing. So when the pest guy came the first time, I said, "How do I know the difference between the, the rat and the mouse?" And he said, "Well, yeah, the their droppings are bigger." And I said, "Like what size? How much signif- How much difference?" And he said, "A rat's poop is like rice." And I was like, oh, my God, that's literally how I've been describing it. I'm looking at pictures. There are not a ton of variants. Here's a picture of mice, rice, and rat droppings. And they're all similar. <laughs> they're all similar. Okay. So Sam and Tony, Pal Peralta. Pal Peralta. 
I didn't know because everyone, you know, you guys have said that name a lot. Mm-hmm. And I wrote Pal, P-A-L. Oh, that would have been cute, Pal Peralta. Yeah. You're your old Pal Peralta. Yeah, that's what I thought you guys were saying, but it's Powell. Yeah, P-O-W-E-L-L. Yeah. Powell yeah. Peralta. Powell and Peralta. Stacy Peralta. Um, well, who's Powell? Do we know? Uh, uh-huh, George Powell. George Powell. 1978. Yorgo Powell. That's right. Do people know that the Greeks pronounce George Yorgo? Yorgo. You're not going to like what I'm about to say. Okay. But that just proved you wrong from a previous fact check. How so? Where you were talking about how your name is Dax in German. Mm. That's still the same. It's still spelled G-E-O-R-G-E. But when you're Greek, you pronounce G-E-O-R-G-E, Yorgo. Okay, but it's a completely different sounding name. Right? Yeah, but the name hasn't changed. I see. It's just pronounced differently I see. as it travels the world. Okay. I'm okay. sure the Japanese probably pronounce George differently than we're doing it. Right. Or your goal. Okay. I do that. That just reminded me, though. So someone commented about two episodes ago when you talked about the Super Bowl, how you went to the Super Bowl. Uh huh. And you said Philly. No, I didn't. Or if I did, that was a mistake. I went to Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minneapolis. And then the other Super Bowl I went to was in Houston. No, no, who they were playing. Oh, Jesus, I don't even... They were playing the Falcons when you went. One of the two times. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, But... But I might have also... was I, Generally, if I talk about that, I talk about the time I left yeah. mid-Brady. That was Minneapolis. 2017, the Eagles won that. That's Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh. That was right, that, that's that what was the Minneapolis Super Bowl. But they, they won... No. This is champion. That's what she's saying. That's what this person was saying. Like, we remember that differently. So it was the 2017 Super Bowl was the one you went to? No, I don't know that. No. <laughs> when did... What was the that Minneapolis? That was in Minneapolis, yeah. That was Wait, Philadelphia won? Yes. But he still had a crazy comeback? But and he just Patriots were in that one. So what was the final score? Okay. This makes sense. Okay, I stand corrected. I didn't... I I knew I wouldn't have said I was in Philadelphia. No, I wasn't saying that. 40, was- 41 to 33. Uh, Philadelphia. Yep. Okay. So I... Is that the one you left early from? Yes. Okay. They were down... It was insurmountable. Got it. As it turns out, it was insurmountable. But it changed a ton. Wow, interesting. Oh, I'm down. Thank that person. And I'm I'm uh, hoisted by my own petard. <laughs> I've made a fool of myself. No, it's just, got to correct it, I guess. I thought you were talking about the one when they were playing the Falcons and you were promoting chips. In Houston. Mm-hmm. 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 But you didn't leave early for that one. Hmm. Because I think oh the Patriots God. won that. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, oh that's God. what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I stayed for the whole Minneapolis one. Mm-hmm. I left for the Houston one. The Patri- Oh, my God. I was short-circuiting because I was like, I know it was a comeback that they won. Okay, so I mixed up my Super Bowls. Okay. All right. We got down to it. Thank we got, we figured God. it out. Thank, thank God. So sorry to have um, potentially deprived Philly of that win. I didn't uh, know what I was. No, I got confused. It was a, It's confusing. It's shameful. And it's, it's devil on devil. <laughs> Disrespectfully. How many spinal cord injuries did Ronnie Coleman have? Oh. 13. 
Um, okay, so you ta- you said something really quick about like statistically um, it happens more in bathtubs. I think you meant just like falling or oh, getting right, hurt showers, or mm-hmm, tubs, yeah, mm-hmm. slip and fall, slip and fall, slip and fall. Um, in 2020, a study conducted by the Consumer Affairs Agency estimated that around 19,000 people lose their lives every year in accidents while bathing. Oh, my, 19,000? That's what this says. Is that stickybathmat.com? <laughs> it's bandaid.com. <laughs> no, it's not. But there was a lot of like articles from 2011. It's like they didn't do any research since. And yeah. then this is in 2020, but I don't know. Okay. That sounds that's very high. Lot. That sounds much higher than I thought. I thought like 1,500 people a year. But but it does make sense because when you're older, yeah. it's probably like a conjunction or- a- Also, it's just saying in accidents. Like, are they talking about like also like drugs? No, because that gets its own thing. And that's okay. like 58,000. But sometimes they're in the tub. Oh, right. So that's what I was going to say. If you're really, really old, a lot of people that are elderly go down in the tub. Yeah. My tub was not draining well mm. recently, okay. and um, so I was in the tub. I got in, and it was so slippery. I had oh. to stand on, like, the sides of the tub. I was doing, like, a straddle. Oh, my gosh. Because I had to get it clean. Yeah. But I had to get out of there. Like, I was definitely going to fall. Oh, my goodness. It's a ding-ding-ding, actually. That reminds me. I was like, what is that triggering? You, seeing you, like, trying to stabilize in the tub. Uh, oh, we did this really fun promotional shoot for... Uh, Spotify a couple days ago and I pitched a thing where you were on my shoulders yeah and I was still thinking it's it it's crazy you had that background (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm saying yeah it's like you would not think if I didn't know that about you I'd be like she would have been a terrible cheerleader because she's really nervous up there yeah isn't it wild to you how do you explain the onset age, of the fear? Age. Age, okay. The likelihood of me getting hurt is much higher than it was then. But as an 18-year-old, you would have felt like a little dolphin in water, right? Oh, my God. I almost sent... Did I send you the video? Which video? Oh, fucking one of these dolphins humping a sightseer again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone sent it to me on Instagram, and then I, I thought I sent it to you. No. Okay, yeah. Oh, wow. This guy went wild. She was a good sport. Uh Oh, it was a male dolphin? <laughs> yes, oh. and he was humping erratically. Oh. She was like on a platform. It was definitely like a see some dolphin sitch. And her boyfriend was behind her, and there's some other people. And then it came all the way up on the platform, and she was laughing and giggling. And then it was just pumping, 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 pumping. Oh, my God. And then cl- clearly to completion, <gasps> went back in the water, and the boyfriend came over, and then they did a little cleanup. It's all on video. Oh, my God. She seemed, again, I need to reiterate, she seemed like she was in really good spirits or I wouldn't be reporting that. Oh, God. Yeah. That's They're bad. so horny. But how much do they weigh? Oh, like 400 pounds? Right. So Maybe wouldn't more? you, like, no, more, get squished? No, he, he was very um Because most of his pressure was on his groin area on the edge of the platform it, it it didn't look like he was at an angle so i don't think she was getting like crushed by any stretch yeah, I'm just not. she just was i think at first like this is so cute and then i think like he's hugging me <laughs> yes okay yeah yep that's it do you want to see it monica oh my god he is pumping 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 yeah it's worth monica all right, monica the little mouse is tiptoeing tiptoe tiptoe Okay, let's see. Oh, 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 she's sick. Oh! Right? 
Look at, and she's kind of holding oh on like romantically about around his face and neck. Ew, she just Look at him go, happen. and now he's done. And now watch. Now there's a cleanup. Watch this. There's a there's an interesting part right after she stands up, or maybe it happened right there. Did she she wipe something off of herself? One can only imagine it was dolphin ejaculate. That did not look enjoyable at all. For her. You didn't, it, it, she, she was laughing and stuff. No. Well, I mean, I think she was just like. Trying to play it off. And scared. Was she scared? Well, I don't course. know. When I, I, I'm asking you honestly. She, she looks scared in this she shot. She does. Okay. Okay. After she got up. Uh, the whole the time she's oh. kind of like, she's kind of squirming. It's a lot. That's, those are a big, big mammal. That just looks like a lot of dolphin on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. I, again, this is. <gasps> I'm Dolphins not, are nasty. They're nasty. And I'm not condoning this <laughs> dolphin behavior. I'm only pointing out yeah. they're so horny yeah. for humans in particular. Oh my God. They're hot for humans. <laughs> wow. Respect, not respectfully. Disrespectfully. Yeah. But, but she's icing his veins. Sheesh. He got right out of the real. water. He's like, I live in the water, but I'm willing to come on the land for this. Very pervy. Very pervy. Apex pervert. Mm. You know they call us apex predator. So we have no natural predator and we can kill anything. So apex predator. They're apex perviness. <laughs> Dolphins. They're apex perverts. <laughs> That's really true. <laughs> Nothing humps them and they hump everything. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to put a positive spin on this. What if they're just attracted to intelligence? She didn't look very smart. Oh, I'm just that. kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. She looked like a I'm totally brainiac. Kidding. Totally kidding. But that's kind of nice if they're so attracted it's, to intelligence. It's not because they're not like. How well read they are. <laughs> they're not like companions. They're they, just raping them and leaving. Well. <laughs> it doesn't matter if a rapist is attracted to you because of your intelligence. It's still right, bad. You're right. It's bad. It's bad. Um, that's it. That's oh, wow. it. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats, it. Tony. Congrats, Sam. Uh, long time coming for Sam. Really, really nice he came. Again, he, he graciously gives us all of these images, and it's really, really nice of him. And He's an incredible photographer. I would encourage you guys to look into his work. Yes, incredible photographer and an incredible interviewer. Yes. If you've not seen Off Camera with Sam Jones and you get your hands on it, I know it was made for DirecTV, so I don't yeah. know how tricky that is to... I think you can also listen to it. It might have gone to Netflix, I think. Really? Oh, yeah. It's a podcast as well. Yeah. So you could listen to it. But it is nice. It's just beautifully black and white it and is. simple. And, yeah. It's a, it is a really good show. I've done it twice, and I love both both trips. Um, and again, one of the ma main things that encouraged me to want to do a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. Happy birthday. I love you. I love you. Okay. Oh, do you want to um, be um, in danger? Oh, sure. Help! There's a dolphin on me! Help! Help! Fear not, Megalith is here. It appears you are being attacked by an apex pervert. Is this the case? Get it off me. I'm getting squished. Nothing softens a boner as well as a huge Megalith. <laughs> Be gone, dolphin boner. Thank you, Megalith. Um, it did already ejaculate by the time you got here. Let me throw another Megalith at you to wipe it off. <laughs> I'm clean. <laughs> wow. Wow. Megalith. He's multi-purpose. He forgot to say, sheesh. Sheesh. Respectfully. <laughs> Bussin Minaj. With guest host, Hussin Minaj. Oh. Uh, 
It's Saturday night. <laughs> Love you. Love you.